off with a couple of verses last week. Um, we didn't get to finish the complete thought in Romans chapter 10. But we had started in, in verse 12 of Romans chapter 10 with the idea that Paul is presenting here that there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon him. And this call, if you remember, was a heart call. You know, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this is very important, this call. And it's easy to overlook, but Paul continues to use this phrase to call upon the name of the Lord. It's not so much a verbal call, but a heart call. In verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name. And then verse 14, he says, how can they call on him whom they've not believed? So when we call upon him, we've already believed. You cannot properly call on the name of the Lord for salvation if you've not first believed him. It's impossible. And so that's what he says in, in verse 14. They cannot properly call. There's no genuine faith and calling on him if you've not believed him first. And then he says, well, how can they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And then that word heard is more than just an audible hearing, but it's uh, receiving. When you hear the word of God, it means you've received the word of God in your heart. It's been communicated to your heart through the Holy Spirit. Uh, think about deaf people. You know, they don't hear the preaching, right? But they do hear the word. They hear it in their hearts. And so that's what, if the, how can they believe if they've not heard? How can they call if they've not believed? And so that's what he's saying in verse 15, and at the end of verse 14, and how can they hear, how can they hear that without there being a preacher to witness it? So we have to witness, we have to declare the word of God and preach it. That is the design of God. God's just not zapping people in the head and them being saved. He could do that if he wanted to, but his design is that we go and we preach the word to all creatures. And then, um, and I, isn't that, I, I believe that is so wonderful. Too many people put so much stress on themselves when they evangelize, thinking that it's, they're rejecting them or they're not doing something right. And, and hopefully they're not doing something wrong. But if you're preaching and you're teaching and you're witnessing the truth, then that is not so much as we, what have you done? We've done something faithfully. We have witnessed the truth. We've sowed the seed. And it's wonderful that the Lord does not require us to sow seed with precision. We just scatter it everywhere. And then some will land on good ground. And then God brings the increase. And we're given why there's stony ground. We're given why there's thorns. We're given why the devil and the birds pluck the word out of the air. But our job is not to be precise where we sow. <laughs> it's to sow everywhere. And really, Paul is coming to this point where 
the Jews, we know in Acts, remember, they, he was given his testimony, and even the zealous Jews were on every word. You know, kind of like Stephen, how he re- recalled the history of Israel and, and started at the very beginning, Paul in his sermon, Peter in his sermon, how they started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and went through all of Israel's history, history and I'm sure that they were just like, yes, yes, yes. And then when Paul hit the key word, it was a buzzword of Gentiles, that's when the Jews hated him and started persecuting him. And now Paul is saying, look, the, the gospel... Now, isn't God the same God over the Jews and the Gentiles? Isn't he rich unto all who call upon him? And he's in, yeah, even in Romans chapter 3, is it God who just justifies the circumcision? No, he also justifies the uncircumcision. And so, and Paul goes on to argue in verse uh, 19, But I say, did not Israel know? Did not Israel know that the gospel was going to be extended, that God was going to call people who were not his people, his people? And it says, first Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Israel should have known this would happen. And that's what Paul's argument is. is even Moses, even the prophets, your Old Testament, the scriptures, the ones that they knew frontwards and backwards, they wore it on their head. They wore it on, I mean, they wore it as, as phylacteries. It was all over the place. They knew the word of God. They knew the Torah. They knew the prophets. And could you, and that's what Paul's like, you should have saw this coming. How many times did the prophets warn Israel about wrath to come if they didn't turn and they didn't turn? They should have saw it coming. And the same is uh, so with Israel, or with the Gentiles. And now Paul says, I've got to go preach to the Gentiles. Stop hating me, Jews. I'm just doing what the Lord has told me to do. Our God, our Lord, our God has commanded um, Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what he's doing. So, all right. So, chapter 11. is Now we're going to start in verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Wot ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. And what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? 
Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back always. So we will stop there and we will uh, look at these 10 verses in chapter 11 uh, this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for just the blessings that you give us that, Lord, we take for granted and we're not thankful for and until they're either taken away or something happens, like, much like our health. Father, may we just praise you and, and give you the thanks for being so good to us and gracious. We pray for those who are not able to make it today, those whom we've mentioned on the prayer list, Brother Stocker, and, and Father, we pray that, Lord, you'll just be with them and, and have everything go successful with the pacemaker. And Father, we, we pray for the, those who are not feeling well today, but, Lord, we, we know that you know every heart and every need. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you'll be pleased with the worship and the study today. Father, help us and guide us in your word, your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're going to take this one verse at a time, and we're going to compare it to the whole. In chapter 11, verse 1, he says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Now, the first thing we want to do is define what is his people. Who is his people? Has God cast away his people? Paul says, God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. The question is, is, is God done with the Jews? Since they rejected Messiah, since they did not see that uh, the, or understand that the gospel is going out to the Gentiles? Is God done? Well, first of all, there's two things going on here. Paul says this people, his people. And then secondly, Paul is addressing, is God done with physical Israel? Um, and he answers this in verse 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Who did God foreknow? What is that foreknow there? His elect, right? Jew, Gentile, Greek, barbarian. God has not forsaken whom he has foreknew. So his people are who? His elect. In verse 1, who is his people? God has not cast away those whom he has elected unto salvation. And Paul says, obviously, God has not rejected physical Israel altogether because he himself was of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul himself was one of the elect. Therefore, is one of God's people whom he did not cast away. It's real important that uh, 
Paul is bringing out this idea in verse 2 that God has not cast away his people which he foreknew. And he says, What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. So, if all of physical Israel was meant here, and we know from the text, we know from the text around it that it obviously isn't, because look at verse 7. He says, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Now, here's the question. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew, is not talking about the nation of Israel. It's not talking about all the Jews. It's not talking about all of Jerusalem. It's talking about those whom God has foreknown and elected unto salvation. Because here's the thing. Not only is it obvious in our text who actually is the children of God, and those who have obtained, because it said that in verse 7, the election obtained it. But this rejection of God by the Jews is not new. It has started all the way back. And that's what he says of, of Isaiah's, right? It has started all the way back to Moses. And we're going to see that more and more as we go. Elijah... In verse 2, what ye not, and that's, that, that is what uh, Paul is getting to the point of, is he says, Elijah, now he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. It doesn't sound like there was a lot of acceptance back in Elijah's day either. Verse 4, but, but what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, he's not talking about the 7,000 men in verse 4. He's using it as a comparison of what God said to Elijah, that though it looks like everybody's rejecting God, who is a Jew, however, there's a remnant. There is those whom God has reserved to himself to save. They're the elect. We don't know who they are, and we don't know when they will be saved. But ever since the time that man put his foot on earth, even God calling the nation of Israel, there have been those who were not saved in Israel. And they had the exact same blindness back then that they do here. And so that's, that's his argument. Um, verse 4, but just as God told Elijah back then, don't, don't worry, I've got a remnant, according to the election of grace. And so that's what we see. Now, um, when Elijah quotes that, we know that if you look at 1 Kings 19, that Isabel was seeking after the life of Elijah. But we know that God will never cast away his chosen, his elect, 
They were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the earth. Paul says he's a physical Jew. He's been saved by grace. He was chosen in Christ. So God obviously has not cast away all the physical Jews. There's going to be more saved. Not because they're Jews, but because of God's electing grace. There's going to be more Jews saved, not because they're Jews. Remember, election's unconditional. God does not look. There's no difference. It's not because of the fact that they're Jews, but God has chosen in grace his remnant, his, whom he would elect unto salvation. It doesn't matter if you're a Russian, or Swedish, you know, American, Mexican. God has an election according to grace. So Paul here is giving hope to Israel, and later on we're going to see, we're not going to get into it today, but later on in chapter 11, he'll give a general warning to the Gentiles. But here he's giving hope to Israel. I like what Berlin Heisel says. He says, as the unfaithfulness of most of the nation in the time of Elijah did not keep God from having an elect remnant. The same was true in Paul's day and in our day today. So in verse 6, he had, well, at the end of verse 5, he brings up this election of grace. So here's the reason that God, there even, there even is a remnant. Verse 6, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. So here we have a description of grace versus works. Now we've, we have looked at this once before, but real quickly, turn to uh, Romans chapter 4, just a few pages back, and look at Romans chapter 4, verse 2. We'll also, if we get time, I want to go to Deuteronomy after a little while, but look at Romans chapter 4. Verse 2, and here is the exact same teaching. It says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward, not, work, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness, and here's big, two big words, without works. Without works. And so if we come back up to chapter 11 verse 6 he's saying the same thing that this remnant that God has chosen to save is not according to who they are it's not about who they are it's not about their works it's not about their piety it's not about uh, their father it's not about the person that they are it's solely of grace and that's the thing in verse 6. It, if it's not of grace, it can't be just a little of grace. It has to be all of grace or none of grace. So if you're adding works into that, and that's the same argument, 
works require a payment or a wage. And so we know what the wage of sin is. Even if you've done 99% right and only 1% wrong, you still have to pay the penalty for that 1%. And so the wage of that sin is death. And so it must be by grace that we are saved. In verse 6, that's what he's saying, that it must be grace. Now, those who oppose unconditional election, and you all uh, may know many, and maybe, you know, I, I don't ever remember coming to sovereign grace. I was kind of raised in sovereign grace. So, but I know many, many people who were. Uh, the Lord had revealed sovereign grace to them. And, um, you know, so you know many who are still, who still haven't been revealed sovereign grace that are out there. Saved people, you know, uh, love them as brothers and sisters. And we just understand and realize that that's just not light that's been given to them yet. And uh, we pray the Lord gives them light. Because I, when you don't see sovereign grace, I truly believe you're robbing yourself of a, a reassurance and assurance and a blessing and everything. Uh, so we pray the Lord just helps them uh, with that, with that joy of assurance in sovereign grace. But we know that those we call Arminians, they're not full-fledged Arminians. Arminians believe a lot of, of wild stuff, but they're Arminian types, just kind of like Calvin. We're not, we're not Calvinists. We just happen to believe what Calvin believed about sovereign grace, and that's it. So, uh, those who believe in that there's an issue with unconditional election, they, they can't deny that election's in the Word of God. They can't deny predestination's in the Word of God. So, what do they do with it? Well, they say that God foreknew who would be saved, that the people had made their own choice to repent and believe when the gospel was presented and given, and God foresaw that in time and then elected them unto salvation. That's the only explanation they can come up with uh, because the scripture is pretty black and white on the, it, the salvations of the Lord. It's not him that willeth or runneth, but it's God that showeth mercy. So they're saying, well, you know, he foresaw in time. The problem is, is them repenting and coming to belief in the Lord is still a work. It's a work of faith. So the problem with that is you're saying that I somehow generated my own faith and then the Lord saved me. What is that? I'm generating something, aren't I? I'm doing a work. Even the Word of God calls it a work of faith. Actually, Believing on the Lord is a command. And so, if you're saying that the Lord foresaw through time and saw who of their free, own free choice would come to repentance and faith, you're saying that, that on their own, they obeyed the Lord and did this miraculous supernatural work of quickening. <laughs> because that's the only way that you can see light, is to God for the quicken you. So, the problem is, that's not of grace. If it's of works, in any way, it can't be by grace. And that's what we see here. Paul stresses that God 
brought about this believing remnant according to the election of grace. This remnant was chosen to be the remnant. God chose this remnant to be the remnant. And that choosing was by grace alone. Now, if we read again in verse 6, and if by grace, this election, parentheses, and if, because in verse 5, this election of grace, that's, that's kind of where he's catapulting to the next verse. If this election by grace, then this election cannot be with any works tagged to it any value on who he pours out his grace upon. So there, there can't be a reason God has poured out his grace upon them other than the reason within himself to choose and his sovereignty. And that's why it's sovereign grace. There's no reason God chose to save me that's in me. The reason's in him. Um, well, verse 7 says, What then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about that. This word blinded, and the rest were blinded. Now, we see this phrase, we don't see it, we see many different words for the same thing. This blinded is the exact same thing as when God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So if you look through here, it will actually give multiple words, but meaning the same thing. So look with me. Verse 7, the election obtained the sovereign grace of God, the redeeming grace of God, the rest were blinded, and verse 8, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, there's another word for blinded and hardened. Eyes that they should not see, same thing. And ears that they should not hear, same thing, unto this day. And David saith, let their table be made a snare. There's our word. And a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened. There's our word hardened or blinded that they may not see and bow down their back always. The apostle divides Israel into two parts. There's the election, and then there's the rest. That's it. By the election, he means God's people, the remnant among them, whom God had reserved for himself, but the rest were blinded. Now again, blinded is the same as hardening, uh, like of uh, Pharaoh's heart, it takes God's power for one to see. It takes God's power, his regenerating power, the work of the Holy Spirit for a heart to see. If God does not give you the ability to see, you will not see. So you may ask, well, how is God fair in that? God is just, and we have read this, God is just in having mercy upon whom he will have mercy. God is not imposing a sinful will on anybody. That happens all by yourself. 
If God does not intervene, your heart is going to harden all by itself. Your eyes are already blind. You cannot perceive the things of God. Your ears are already deaf. And your table's already a snare if you're into religion and the formality of religion. Uh, those things that you think are a blessing and are of God and uh, is your ticket into heaven are a snare. They're a stumbling to you. You're tripping over the physical things and you're not perceiving the spiritual behind any of it. And so if God does not open your eyes and open your ears and he infuses the truth into you with the Holy Spirit, you will never, you will never come to him. Rather, your heart will continue to be hard. Uh, in verse 8, he is quoting Isaiah. And um, here's just a quick point that I want to make before we quit. But I want to look at Deuteronomy. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. We're going to come back to the point. Now that we know, I mean, what blindness is, um, and if anybody has any other questions about that, I know subjects like these, you never have enough time to fully uh, delve into as far as the hardening of a sinner's heart and, and things of that nature. But Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 2. Notice what Moses says is very similar to what Paul is saying and the condition which Paul finds himself in in that day and the condition we find ourselves in today was also the condition they found themselves in back then when Moses talks. Chapter 29 of Deuteronomy, look at verse 2. And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt unto Pharaoh and unto all his servants and unto all his land the great temptations which thine eyes have seen, the signs and the great miracles, yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear, unto this day. When does unto this day start? It started way before Moses gave this speech. When were there those who could not see, although it was right before their eyes? It had been happening ever since that God had called the nation of Israel. That is another, who is going to be saved? God's elect. He's not talking about the entire nation of Israel. He's talking about spiritual Israel. He's talking about God's people. That's what Paul has been bringing up to this point. The rejection of Messiah by the Jews is not new. The rejection of God has been going on since Moses and before. Now think about this. Moses said those words 1,400 years before Paul. And Paul says it's still going on today that those who are not of the elect have had the spirit of slumber. They do not have eyes to see. 
Now, I want to read this. Men are in themselves sinful and commit sin voluntarily. And for their punishment, they are hardened and finally perish in their sins. And their destruction is the execution of a just sentence of God against sin. Um, They could not see. They could not see. And when David in chapter 11 says, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them, the Jews were taking their advantages and it was becoming disadvantages to them. The law, the tabernacle, they became a snare because they could not see that all these things pointed to Christ. All of it. The ceremonial law, all of those things which God had given them in the Mosaic law, the ceremonial law, all of it was all pointing to Christ. So rather than seeing that and the value of I have failed to keep what God has commanded me to do in the Mosaic law, all of us have. We're all under law until we're saved then Christ is the end of the law. Uh, to, uh, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. But if you're, not, if you're not a believer, you're still under the law because it's still condemning you. And so when you are under the law, like as these Jews were, those who were not saved, they were putting religion upon themselves as a work. And I love what he, sees, what he says here, that in verse 10, let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. I, I get the picture of carrying, carrying this massive load of religious works on your back. And you are trying to support it by your own strength. I've got all this religion on me. Let that table, let the advantages become a load to them. Their eyes are darkened. I want to say this, and then uh, we'll be done. In the providence of God, Israel was blinded, yet the blame was all their own. Now we need to understand that when we come to God hardening, God giving spirits of slumber, not only is it our own fault, but it's been going on since time began with man. It wasn't something new. Those are the two things that Paul's bringing out. When God draws us to himself and opens our eyes so that we believe in him and trust in him and love him and treasure him, it is owing nothing in us. And we should be the humblest, most patient, kind, gracious, courageous people on earth. I like this. God has made known, God has made us his own, and it was by grace and grace alone that he did it. Um, When he passes over others and leaves them to become hard and rebellious and unbelieving, he is not doing anybody an injustice. We are as deserving as they are. And it had not been for God's grace, we all would be as Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Now, as, you, as we leave this, this portion of study, remember this. Just remember this. No one, no one has a good case that they can take before God why they should be one of his elect. Think about that. No one has a case that they can take before God why I should be one of your elect. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that was the, what Paul was thrusting to the Jews. Look, ever since Abraham, ever since Adam, ever since Noah, people have rejected the Lord. They've been blind. And they're blinded to faith. They're blinded to humility and faith. They're blind to surrender of pride, of works, and just faith in God. And so that has been going on this whole time. The Jews rejecting Jesus Christ wasn't a new thing of the spirit of slumber that God put upon Israel. Now we do know that God had said that through the Gentiles receiving the gospel, he would provoke the Jews to jealousy. But that's next week, and we'll look at that. All right, our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had to study. Lord, thank you for saving us all we can be Lord is thankful to you and praise your grace oh Lord what what amazing grace father for nothing good in us that you have saved us you brought us to you as your purchased possession to bless to love to give eternal life father we do pray for those Lord that we do not know who all of your elect and chosen are but father you have given us the the command to go and preach to all ears all creatures or to sow the seed of your word. Father, may we just be pleasing to you and faithful in the service to you. And Father, we do pray that you'll be with the remainder of this worship service, that your son be lifted. Father, that you'll be with each heart and that you do your work of compassion. And we'll praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.